on, welcome all the campuses. Give it up and all the campuses celebrate one another. Hey, before you're seated, I love the fact that you're still standing. Before you're seated, I want to read a passage of scripture for you. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, at that very moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, read this next part with me. A voice from heaven said, what? This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. If you love God's word, give him a praise one more time. Celebrate him. You may be seated. God is good all the time. You folks came ready to have church today. I like that. I like that. Hallelujah. Bring it. Well, we got all kind of things being yelled out from the crowd today. So, um, man, you don't want to miss where we're going this summer. I told you a little bit about it last week. Uh, next week, Heroes in the Home. I know you've heard about that, but please know that is for single people as well. Heroes in the Home. We're going to encourage you how to live in your home, whether you're married or single. Uh, then we're going into a summertime series called Hot and Heavy. And uh, we're going to be talking about relational stuff, and relational stuff can be challenging. And then we're going to do a series towards the end of the summer titled, Jesus Said What? And we're going we're gonna to be looking at those hard, challenging, tricky sayings that Jesus had in the gospel because that is where we grow when we confront Jesus in some of his challenging words. Can I get an amen? amen? So we just read Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Today, I want to talk to you about baptism. I want to talk to you about baptism. If you were here last Sunday, you know that we talked about Holy Communion and we celebrated the sacrament of Holy Communion. And you've probably heard me say before that the word sacrament actually means a means of grace. And so we're kind of in, we didn't call it this, but we're kind of in a, a mini two-part series on the sacraments coming out of Preacher King, hunkering around the sacraments and then going after these very relevant topics that we're going to hit this summer. And so I want to talk to you today about baptism. And I want to let you know on the front end, I mean, I could kind of try to pull one over on you, but you're too smart for that. Like, I want to let you know on the front end, I have an agenda. Why not keep it real? Like, I have an agenda. And my agenda is to get as many of you as I possibly can to go into the waters of baptism. And my agenda is to get the rest of you to gather around the baptistry at all of our campuses and celebrate life change. Now, you're clapping like you're at a little Masters golf tournament or something or a tennis match, and I'm hoping you can get more fired up than that by the time the day is over. But listen, have you ever had 
a spiritually significant baptism. And I love that. I mean, some people have, but a lot of you have not. And I wonder today if you've ever done anything really bold and courageous for God. Because baptism is about being bold. Baptism is about declaring publicly, I profess my faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And so I'm just going to, if it's okay with you, I'm just going to teach kind of briefly today and unpack that passage of scripture that we just read, just kind of in an expositional kind of way, kind of in a verse by verse way, because the Bible, like last week, we talked about communion. And I don't think uh, a lot of people today really understand the true meaning of communion. And if you were here, you know that we had a phenomenal Holy Communion celebration, did we not? I mean, we were celebrating and really honoring the bread and the wine as the body and blood of Christ. And today, I want to make sure everybody who leaves any of our campus locations today, you have crystal clarity on what baptism means. So from the passage we just read, and open up your Bibles if you don't have them open yet, to Matthew chapter 13. I mean, chapter 3. I'll look at 13 in just a little bit. Matthew 3. And uh, we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 17. And I've already read the passage. So the first thing I want to say to you today is baptism is not optional. It is extremely important. Baptism is not what? Optional. It is extremely important. And some of you are here today and you're not even sure it's important. And I would tell you today on the front end, listen, it is extremely important. Does it save you? No. Baptism does not save you. Only your faith in Jesus Christ saves you. Can I get an amen? amen. Only what he did for you on the cross will save you. Baptism is a result of what God has done for you on the cross. Won't you read this out loud with me? Ready? All of our campuses, go. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Jesus came from where? Galilee. To where? Now, you're liable to skip right over that verse unless you understand the geography of the Holy Land. And by the way, we're taking a group at the Holy Land in the spring of next year. Mark your connect cards if you're interested. But like, this was a distance. Let me, let me do a show of hands. Let's do it this way. How many of you are runners? Like, you, like run, you jog? How many of you run? You know, I did a series many years ago called The Daniel Plan, and we all got kind of exercising and eating right. I think we might need to do that again. I'm just going to assume that maybe I caught some of you off guard. Uh, maybe I'll broaden it a little bit. How many of you like to exercise? Oh, praise the Lord. Okay, I feel better. <laughs> we're we're going to die a pretty young church if, if the first was the, the case. Um. I, I like to run, and uh, I don't run nearly as much as I should, but I love to run. just kind of helps me clear my, my mind, takes the edge off. I listen to great stuff when I'm running. Uh, uh, this is probably going to be a small number, but I'm going to ask you, based on the first response, how many of you how many of you have ever, ever run a full marathon? Full marathon? Come on, come on, come on. Praise God, you people are remarkable. How many of you, I haven't done that. I like a half marathon. I've run three half marathons. How many of you have run a half marathon? Yeah, you my people, you my peeps. Like, and I don't know, you, you full marathon people, you're cray cray. Because here's the deal, dude. I get done with a half marathon, which is how far, church? 
13.1 miles. Whenever I get done with a half marathon, I have two thoughts and two thoughts only. Thank you, Jesus. No, not why. <laughs> Actually, I do kind of have three, but that's normally about midway through the run. Why in the heck did I decide to do this? Then my, my second thought when I'm done is, thank you, Jesus, I'm still alive. And here's my third and final thought. I could never imagine doing that again. <laughs> and running a full marathon, I just couldn't do it. There's no, there, I, I, I don't have it in me. So you full marathon people, that's amazing. So the half is 13.1, the full is what? Times two, 26.2, listen. Jesus walked 60 miles to get baptized. See, you wouldn't know that unless you know the geography of the Holy Land. Jesus walked 60 miles. He might have run some, I don't know. He was Jesus. I'm kind of wondering why he ran or run. He could have just said, bam, and go, go, go to the Galilee. But, but he, he, he walked 60 miles. That's important, church. That means baptism is incredibly important. And anytime I think about Jesus walking a long distance, I'm reminded of the high schooler who was hitting his daddy up for his driver's license and a car. And his old man said, no, son, you can forget that. You aren't ready. And the boy said, well, why, dad? I'm ready. I am of age. It is time for me to get my license and a car. And his daddy said, forget about it. He said, well, what do I have to do, dad? Dad said, well, it's interesting that you ask. Here's what you have to do. You got to get your daggum grades up. I saw your last report card. You got to get your grades up. Secondly, you got to do your chores around this house. I'm tired of you not doing your chores. And thirdly, while I'm at it, why don't you get your hair cut? <laughs> A month or so went by and, and the boy came back to dad and he said, Dad, what do you say now? Can I go get my license and can I get a car? Come on, dad. Surely you know, you've noticed my grades are up. Dad said, yeah, your grades are better. Dad said, you know, I've also noticed that you've started doing the chores around the house. Good job, son. All right, dad, dad, can I get my license now in a car? And dad said, no, 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 you got to cut that hair still. And the boy said, well, daddy, I've been reading the Bible. <laughs> and, and, and Jesus had long hair, dad, to which his daddy said, yeah, and he walked everywhere he went too. <laughs> He walked, he walked to get baptized. Baptism is not optional. It is incredibly important. Here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. Write this in your teaching notes. Grab those teaching notes or open up your app on your phone. It is time I get past my objections. See, as I've been talking, here's what some of you have done. In fact, here's what a lot of you have done. In your mind, you've started to formulate objections. You've started to argue with me. Ah, I don't want to do that. Ah, I shouldn't do that. And the enemy would come in right now and he would convince you to make a convincing case against me. But you're really not arguing against me. You're arguing against the word of God. And the enemy would convince you, if you're not careful, don't worry about it. Put it off. It is time I get past my what? My objections. Here's another verse. Again, just going right to the text. Read it with me. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Crazy old John the Baptist. 
starts trying to discourage Jesus, deter him from getting baptized. Now, let's not be too hard on John. Because if you know the Bible, you know that John the baptizer would be a better way of putting his name. John was calling people to a baptism of, you remember? Repentance. Repentance. Now stick with me. Put your theological caps on. Jesus Christ didn't need to repent. Why? Because he was sinless. He was the sinless son of God. Fully God, fully human. No, it's hard to wrap your mind around, but that is what we see in the scriptures. So the reason John is trying to deter Jesus is because John is saying, Jesus, no, 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 you, you don't. This is a baptism of repentance. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Don't you stop me. Let it be so for now. The bottom line is John had his objections. And some of you right now, you're doing mental gymnastics and arguments and objections with me. And what I want to say to you, because I love you, is you need to get past your objections and get into the waters of baptism and publicly profess your faith in Jesus Christ. Here, here are some common Objections, okay? I've, I've listed a few. I've already been baptized. If you've already been baptized and it was a spiritually significant, wonderful experience and you knew what you were doing and it was your public profession of faith, no, you don't need to be baptized again. Now, some people ask me all the time, well, can I be baptized again because I'm in a different place spiritually? To which I've always said, yes, Scripture does not speak against getting rebaptized. Yes, you are welcome to get rebaptized. However, if every time we have a baptism, you're in the front of the line with floaties on <laughs> and sunscreen on your nose, we might, we, we, we'll talk. But, <laughs> but if, if you've never had a significant baptism, or maybe you wandered away from God and you've kind of come back and you want this to be your public profession of faith. You need to get rebaptized. Or maybe, maybe, check this one out, here it is. I was baptized as a child. How many of you were baptized as an infant? Come on, show of hands, don't be, don't be ashamed of it. You should be proud of it, actually. Pretty powerful day, was it not? You, I, I know you don't remember it. <laughs> But it was a powerful day when your family, your parents or your grandparents or your aunt or your uncle, your godparents, a church, it was very, very powerful and sacred for them. Newsflash. It meant nothing to you because you were a baby. And what I want to say to you in all love and honesty, and I've studied the scriptures up and down, in the Bible, it is unequivocally clear that what we see in the Bible is believers' baptism through immersion. The word is baptizio in the Greek. It is full immersion. It's very powerful when you take a person and you dunk them into the waters of baptism. You, Paul would say this over and over. You are dead to sin. The waters of baptism is washing over you, covering that sin. And then when that pastor or staff person lifts you up out of the water, you are alive in Christ. Very, very symbolic and powerful. Here's another objection. I'm scared. I'm scared. We just had baptisms after the first celebration. And a young woman came into the water and she said, I'm, I'm that scared one. She was scared. And I looked at her in the eye and I said to her, what I'm going to say to you right now, you're going to come out of the water. <laughs> I promise you, 
and I'll make a commitment with you. If you don't come out of the water, I'll go down in there with you and we'll stay. Or some campus path. No, no, I've been doing this 28 years, never lost a person yet. I'm batting a thousand. And I don't know if you heard this. This is kind of a sad, scary story, but I just heard it a couple weeks ago. One of the campus pastors sent it to me. Um, a pastor, I think in Africa somewhere, was baptizing their church, a bunch of them down by the river. Did you hear about this? And an, a crocodile. Dude. The crocodile took the pastor. True story. True story. I don't know why I got a little smile on my face. I'm sorry. I guess I'm kind of thinking that if I'm going to die, I... I'd rather go out just baptizing somebody. I mean, but, but the, the, the pastor and, and they, the, the, the crocodile didn't get the person. They got the pastor. And they lost their, their pastor. And they were so sad. It was terrible, horrible. But if you haven't noticed, like, that's why we have baptistries. We're, <laughs> you don't have to worry about crocodiles. You don't have to worry about alligators. Listen, maybe you watched a lot of Shark Week. You don't have to worry about sharks. We're like in a controlled environment. I promise you, there is no reason to be scared. I've trained all the pastors and staff. We just take you in and we lift you up. Now, if we know of a lot of sin in your life, <laughs> I have been known to take you in and keep you down there a while because we got to wash some stuff off. But then I lift you right on. Back up. But listen, I've never lost a soul. Put your fear behind you. I'm just a private person. Oh, really? What if, what if Jesus said to the Father, Hey, 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 Father, I, I, got an, I got a better idea. Instead of saving everybody publicly on a blood-stained cross, on a hill called Calvary, Father, what do you say we just go into a back room somewhere and we just kind of work out a deal and we just save all humanity? No. Jesus came, lived, bled, died, and rose again as a public, public spectacle of my sin debt that I could not Hey, if you are a private person, I respect you, I love you, and I honor you as a private person. But let me just tell you the truth. You have to go public with your faith. None of this private stuff. Christianity is personal. Ooh, 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 ooh. Christianity is personal. It's not private. It's not private. If you got your Bibles in Matthew's gospel as well, I told you I'd get a little bit further into Matthew. Matthew 10 says this. Why don't you read this out loud with me? Church, ready, go. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. You know who said that? Jesus. And it's a great promise. Amen? Amen. It says if you acknowledge, if you own, if you claim Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, when you get to the end of your life, he says, I am going to acknowledge you before my father in heaven. He's going to look at his father and he's going to say, that one's mine. That one belongs to me. My blood covered that one. He or she has received the gospel good news. And you know what the Bible says they're going to say to you? Well done, good and faithful servant. But there's a verse 30, 
three. Oh, I went too far. Can y'all go back? My bad. I did it. It's all my fault. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. You acknowledge him before people, he will acknowledge you in heaven. You disown him before people and you're ashamed of the gospel, he says he will disown us before his Father in heaven. Do you, do you feel the tension in the room? It's a good tension. I'm okay with tension. Are you? This is, this is serious stuff. We're going to invite you into the waters of baptism today if you've never had a significant spiritual experience in baptism. It is a public profession of your faith. It is huge. It is so important. And the question becomes, are you ashamed of the gospel? And we got t-shirts. We're going to put, we're going to give you a shirt. You can get baptized in what you wore if you want, but if you want a shirt, we have a shirt. You know what the shirt says? Saved and unashamed. <laughs> Come on, is there anybody here saved and unashamed of the gospel? Now, now listen, listen, listen. You might say, where's that come from? Out loud with me, church. Ready? Go. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of the what? Because it is the power of the gospel. Gospel to bring what? Salvation to? Everybody say everyone. Everybody say everyone. 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 That includes you. That includes me. I, um, I hesitate to share this story with you, to be honest with you. But I'm going to share it anyway. Um, so my daughter, I got one girl, I got four boys. And my daughter and I were at the lake two weeks ago. It was really only about 10 days ago, to be honest with you. And by the way, my daughter has since left for Barcelona. She's in Barcelona uh, on a travel abroad summer deal with the University of North Carolina. Uh, she got this award where all expenses are paid. And so she's in Barcelona now. By the way, my family and I, we're going to visit her in three weeks in Barcelona. In three weeks in Barcelona, guess what's going down in Barcelona? The running of the bulls. This is a side note, by this is not the story I'm telling you. Um, my boys and I, my twins, yes, 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 yes. My twins and I have signed up to run with the bulls in Barcelona. You only live once, church. And I've been fired up about it. I've been talking about it for about six months. This is the first time I've gone public with it. The reason I guess I'm going public with it is because the receipt came through the house this week in the kitchen. I saw the receipt come through because you got to pay for that. You just, I thought you could just jump in there and run with them, but you can't. Uh, so, well, Amy Lynn went on and registered us, and I saw it in black and white, and I'm a little nervous. We're going to, we'll take pictures. We'll video this bad boy. We're, we're probably going to wear white like you're supposed to with the red sash and a fedora. And we're getting down in it and we're running with the bulls. Glory be to God. I will run a little bit, but I'm just going to let you know for the record. If the bull starts coming down on me, I'm jumping over the fence. 
Can I get a witness? And if, if I don't make it, <laughs> if I don't make it, have a good funeral. I'll see you on the other side. Peace out. But we're doing it for real. I mean, there's no joke. We're doing it. And, but anyway, where was I? Oh, so my daughter, right before she went to Barcelona, she was at the lake. And um, she, she, I was working. And she, she texted me and she said, Daddy, won't you quit working and come on down to the lake and hang out with me for a little bit? What do you think I did? Shut the computer. And I uh, went and hung out with my daughter. It was kind of late in the afternoon. And we hung out. And then we, I went and took her to dinner at the lake. And it's a nice restaurant kind of overlooking the lake. Um, lake Gaston. I don't know if y'all are familiar with Lake Gaston, but we were down there. And um, when we got finished with dinner, um, I had dropped my boat in the water and met her. And we had one car. I was in her car. And she, after dinner, took me to the landing where I left my truck. Are you tracking with me? I got in my truck and I'm following my daughter. I, I think she's kind of right in front of me, but you know, you kind of get separated a little bit. And uh, following her, and I came around a curve and I saw a head on collision. And I saw a car that had exploded into flames. Now, I freaked out, church. I freaked. It's my only girl. You know how much I love my daughter. She is like the cream in my coffee. And I thought my daughter was in the head-on collision. I lost it. I was the first one on the scene of the accident. And this is what I saw. I, I took a picture after I did what I'm about to tell you that I did. This is after, because I was the first one on the scene. It just happened. I freaked out. I ran up to the automobile, both of them. Here's only one of them. Thankfully, I surmised pretty quickly it was not my one and only daughter. And I thanked God. But then immediately, I was forced with a decision. What are you going to do? About that time, another lady showed up in a car. She got out. She went into meltdown mode. She weighed all of 90 pounds soaking wet. And I said, we only got one option. And we ran up to this inferno. It's, it's hissing. It's popping. I'm thinking it's going to blow any second. We run up to the, to the side of the car. There's two middle-aged men, pretty hefty. They, they were in there 250, 275 pounds. And one of them, his body was going into shutdown mode. So this woman and I grabbed these guys and we drug them out to the other side of the road where that picture, they, they might show you a video because after I get them, on the, they're right here beside me. Here's a video. The ambulances are arriving. See them down there. They're all coming on the scene. And I got the two guys right here. And I'm, I'm just freaking out still. I'm, I, I'm a roller coaster of emotion. I'm still thanking God that it's not Anna Grace. I'm thanking God that we got these two guys out of the car because that car burned to a crisp. I watched the fire trucks when they finally got there. They just started soaking it with water. And it took them like 15 minutes just to get all the fire out. And it was just a charbroiled, crisp mass of burnt metal. And I went home and I hugged my daughter. <laughs> and after I hugged my daughter and I texted her just to make sure, you know, she was okay and all that, then went home. The, the next day... I'm just reflecting on this. Now listen to me. This is why I'm hesitant to tell this story. I don't, 
I don't mean to be melodramatic with you today. And one of the reasons why you love this church is the fact that I don't sit up here and rant and rave and, and preach a bunch of mean-spirited hell, fire, and brimstone kind of stuff right? I believe in teaching the whole counsel of God, and I believe we teach grace. Can I get an amen? But I believe we teach truth. Can I get an amen? And I believe we teach it all. And I, I was thinking the next day that this experience that I shall never forget, I'll never see those two guys again. I don't know who they are, but I will tell you this, that the next day I saw in that experience a picture of the gospel, and that the Bible says, whether or not you know it, I want to invite you just to flip over to Matthew 13. And most of you know, if you grew up in the church at all, you know that the Bible speaks very clearly about an afterlife. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And I know it's not politically correct to talk about hell anymore or Jesus being the only way to the Father. But I've said a long time ago, I don't give a flying flip about being politically correct. I want to be biblically correct. And I don't know whether you realize this or not, but the Bible says there is a heaven and there is a hell. And heaven is eternal unity with God. If you were in church last week, we celebrated Holy Communion. You know that we talked about heaven as that place where there will be no more tears, where there's joy where we're with the saints forever and we're with God. But the Bible also says there's a hell. And in this very same book, Matthew, chapter 13, this is what the Bible says. It's not even on the screens because I just decided this morning to tell you this story. Matthew 13, verse 49. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them, the wicked, into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Heaven, eternal union with God and all the saints of old that have gone before us. Hell, eternal separation from God and everything that is good. And quite often the Bible refers to it as a fiery, blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I can't explain it much better than that. I, I'm like you. I don't know in totality what heaven and hell is going to be like. I just know that in that experience, as I reflected back on it, I thought, you know, isn't that really like life? We're all born into this sin nature. We're all trying to live in this jacked up, sin-scarred world. And the truth is, we're all sinners. All of us. And without Christ... The Bible says we will spend eternal separation from God, often referred to as a fiery place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. But the gospel good news of Jesus Christ is that he left heaven, came to earth, and basically snatched us, snatched us out of the flames, out of the fiery furnace, and snatched us and claimed us. And then for those who will follow him, 
Come on, he drenches us. He drenches us in and through the waters of baptism. Do you know him? Have you experienced him? Here's the third thing. Oh, my Lord, now I'm done. I must get baptized ASAP. Write it in. Why don't you make it personal? Will you read it out loud with me? I must get baptized ASAP. Now, I've been in seminary and homiletical professors will tell you, don't use words like must or they have to. You know, it's, kind of, it's kind of offensive to people this day. No, 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 no. Let me tell you something. I did this in pur- in, on purpose. I, what's that word? Must get baptized as soon as possible. Again, because it's that important. Look at verse 15. Out loud with me. Ready? Go. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Jesus replied, let it be so. He didn't say, let's think about it. He didn't say, why don't we do it next week? He said, let's do it when? Now. He didn't even say, check this out. Let's pray about it. Now, I'm going to say something maybe you've never heard a pastor say before. And I believe in prayer. I pray. I believe in prayer. But prayer can often become an excuse to do absolutely nothing. Christian people, Christian people are famous for saying, well, I'm just going to pray about that, pastor. Interpretation, I'm not going to do squat. Now, now sometimes, sometimes there are times to pray. Don't get me wrong. Don't hear me. Don't misunderstand me. But this is why sometimes some of you will come up to me and you'll share a story with me or something, and you'll say, will you pray with me, Pastor? I'll say, let's pray right now. And we pray. Other, other times you'll ask me to do something, and you'll say, will you pray about it? And I'll say, I don't need to pray about it. Again, you probably never heard a pastor say that. There are some things I don't need to pray about because I know that it's God's will that I should act on it. Not pray about it. Here, here's what I'm trying to say to you, and this is, going to, this is why some of you came to church today. Obedience leads to opportunities. You need to write that down. You need to remember that, underline it, circle it, highlight it in yellow. Obedience leads to opportunities. If you want to walk with God... You want to live your life under the fountain of God's favor. If you want to experience God's blessings, then you have to walk in obedience, period. You can be saved and still live a jacked up life. But you ever met some Christians and you're like, good Lord. Like if that's what it means to be a Christian, count me out, right? You've, you've been there, done that. Because you can have all kinds of head knowledge. You can receive the free gift of salvation. But if you don't start to appropriate what God's word says, your life will remain jacked up. And some of you could give a personal witness. You know it to be true. And so one of the popular things that I get asked quite often 
Pastor, how do I know the will of God? Good question, is it not? How do I know the will of God? The way you know the will of God, the way you know the will of God is to know the, huh? Agreed? Got a lot of energy on that one. The way you know the will of God is to what? But you can know the word of God, but not walk in the blessings of God. Watch this. The way you walk in the blessings of God is you obey God. So I can know the will of God by knowing the word of God. I will not experience the blessings of God, the favor of God, the goodness of God, the kindness of God, God's best for me until I walk in obedience. Now that will change your life if you appropriate it, if you live it out. So Jesus pushes back on John because he deters him. John says, all right. John baptizes him and watch this. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. So Jesus is coming out of the water John sees the spirit like a dove alighting, ascending on Jesus. Now listen closely. Scholars call this a theophany. Big old fancy word. Don't worry about it. It's just the Father's voice thundering from heaven. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I what? With him I am what church? Well pleased. And I just believe that if you at any of our campus locations will muster the courage and the faith to obey God, to publicly profess your faith in God today through Christ Jesus with ears of faith. Who knows, maybe thundering from heaven, but usually it's just in the heart, the ears of faith, the heart of faith, the mind of Christ. You could hear God declare to you, this is my daughter. This is my son in whom I am, what? Well pleased. What is the most courageous thing you've ever done for God? Have you ever had a spiritually significant baptism? Because now is your time. Now is your time. We have shirts. We have shorts. We have towels. We have everything you need. Jump in. The water is warm. Will you publicly profess your faith in Christ today? We're going to sing a song. Don't, don't leave. Please, hang in, hang, in the door, hang in here with us. We're going to sing a song, but about halfway through that song, I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. Yeah, I, I'm showing you my, my, my hand today. No, no, no underlying agendas. I told you on the front end I had an agenda. When this song breaks down kind of in the middle of the song before we go into the bridge, I'm going to come back out. And I'm going to challenge you because I love you. And that's what I'm supposed to do. 
I'm going to challenge you at all of our campuses to get out of your seat and head toward the door. And your campus pastor is going to go with you at that very moment. And we're going to gather around the pool, around the waters of baptism, and we're going to celebrate those who have declared, today is my day. June 10th. 2018, I'm taking the plunge and I am publicly declaring before God and my church family, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. So much, come on, so much so, I'm going to follow him right into the waters of baptism. Pray with me, all of our campuses, heads bowed, eyes closed. Thank you, Lord is right. Father, Thank you for the spirit that is in this place right now. Thank you for the hearts that are opened, the minds that are open. God, thank you that your spirit is hovering all over the New Hope movement. And right now, Father God, right now, for many of us, Lord God, eternity is resting in the balance. Not because we haven't been baptized. I've already said that doesn't save us. But because as I spoke about heaven and hell, there are people within the sound of my voice who have never actually made a, a commitment to you. They've never actually received the gospel good news, the gift of God that is in Christ Jesus. So before we can even sing this song and invite you into the waters of baptism, I need to make sure every single person here has an opportunity to receive you. So, Father, I pray over all of the New Hope locations today. And if you're a believer right now, this is when you want to just start praying. You want to pray hard for those on your right and your left and in front of you and behind you. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're here today and you've never accepted what he did for you on a blood-stained cross where he paid a sin debt that you could not pay. And you desire what Jesus would refer to in John chapter 3 as being born again. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, shall not spend eternity in hell, but instead shall have everlasting life. If you desire to receive Christ today and know, I mean really know deep down, that your sins have been forgiven. That your name is written as the book of Revelation would say in the Lamb's book of life. And you want to know that you know that you know when you leave a campus today that you are a born again child of God. If you desire that, you just say this in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I receive you today. Lord Jesus, I thank you for grace. I am a sinner, and I need you to be my Savior. But follow that up with, Lord Jesus, I need you to be my Lord as well, the master of my life. So not only do I need your grace, Father God, I need your truth. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. I desire to be born again. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I will follow you, Lord God, all the days of my life. 
I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.